Supernature Podcast is here to give everyone a respectable outlet to speak their truth. The experiences and stories depicted can be unsettling and disturbing to some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story you want us to share, email supernature at galacticcycle.com. Welcome to another Supernature episode. I am your host, David Mage. Before we get into this episode, I have to note that we do not condone the use of any drugs of any kind. If you're interested in participating in an ayahuasca experience, be sure to do your research and know that safety is not guaranteed, even if the ayahuasca is prepared and delivered by an experienced shaman. This is an experience that is to be taken seriously and may not be for everyone. As with anything we do, there are always risks. Your decision is in choosing what is worth the risk. Ayahuasca. Noun. A tropical vine native to the Amazon region, noted for its hallucinogenic properties. A hallucinogenic drink prepared from the bark of ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is a tea mixture of two different plants. A perennial shrub called chacruna, which contains DMT, or the dimethyltryptamine, and the ayahuasca vine. Both plants are found in the Amazon rainforest and traditionally used in ceremonies among the indigenous tribes of the Amazon. This tea is used for spiritual and religious purposes by ancient tribes and is still used as a sacred beverage by some religious communities in Brazil and North America, including the Santo Daime religion here in Montreal and around the world. Traditionally, a shaman, or an experienced healer who leads ayahuasca ceremonies, prepares the brew by boiling torn leaves in a water broth to create the tea mixture. The preparation is a slow process to be sure the mixture is potent and pure. When combined, these two plants form a powerful psychedelic brew that affects the central nervous system, leading to an altered state of consciousness that can include hallucinations, out-of-body experiences, and euphoria. So why are we drawn to these Aya experiences? Though ayahuasca is traditionally used for religious and spiritual purposes, it has become so popular worldwide to those seeking a new way to open their minds, heal from past traumas, and grow spiritually. This should never be considered a weekend high and always treated as a retreat for well-being. Some potential benefits of experiencing the Aya ceremony are the possibility of beneficial brain health, possibly stimulating growth of new neural cells, which is currently being studied, improving psychological well-being through mindfulness and emotional acceptance, and studies are now showing that it may help to treat addiction, anxiety, depression, and PTSD. I can personally attest to many of the above positive benefits. I have experienced ayahuasca twice, and both times were significantly different, but exactly what I needed. I found that there are two important factors in any sacred journey. One, that our intentions play a significant role in what we experience, which leads to the issue with using leisurely. If the choice to do hallucinogenics, or as some communities are calling them entheogens, is purely to get high, then that is the outcome that will be achieved, a superficial experience at best and a negative experience at worst. But if we go into the ceremony with a clear intention of what we are asking for, then Mother Ayahuasca will deliver. But there is the second part to this, something that we have mentioned on our Supernature podcasts previously, 
that that second factor is our higher self. Even though we enter the experience establishing our own intention and desire, there is always our higher self, which is going to make sure we experience exactly what we need to. Both of my experiences addressed both of these factors. My first experience was, well, my first experience. So there was a lot building up to the actual night of the ceremony. Anyone familiar with the Aya ceremony will know about purging. And this was my biggest concern going into this. Anyone not familiar with this idea, well, it's pretty much a whole lot of throwing up. And it is so common in participants that it is encouraged to bring a container of some kind to purge into. My only defense, I thought, was to fast before the ceremony. Thinking, even if I did purge, well, there wouldn't be anything there to lose. It is highly encouraged to fast for at least half a day prior to the ceremony. So I did three days. Yeah, like I said, it was my first time, and I was overly cautious. Keep in mind, this is also my first experience with any hallucinogen. Not to mention, I tend to be pretty neurotic when it comes to doing anything that I will have no control over. At this point in my life, I have been completely alcohol-free for over two years. Prior to my sobriety, I had two sides. Bone-dry sober, and in complete, rigid control of my life and everyone around me's, or sloppy drunk with no control over anything. And since I didn't drink anymore, I also didn't know how to let go of control of my life either. So the idea of letting go was a really hard concept for me. Probably because as soon as I catch wind of being put into a situation that I can't control the outcome of, my anxiety swoops in to steal away any thoughts of reason. My intention going into the ceremony was extremely simple. I needed proof that there was an existence beyond this physical world. Going along with my inability to release control, I was also just starting on my spiritual awakening. I have always believed in something beyond. But what that is, or how it affects us here, I wavered between indifference to complete skepticism. But I had also started reading a lot of Dolores Cannon and her phenomenal experiences with her style of hypnosis. And I was thoroughly intrigued by these cosmic and multidimensional ideas that I was reading about. I guess that was the push I needed to actually seek out and participate in an Aya experience. I was driven by the desire to actually get proof for myself, proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that I could not refute. So that was my intention, to get undeniable evidence through my own personal experience. The ceremony doesn't start until nightfall, so I was encouraged to arrive at dusk, allowing me some time to set up my space in the circle and settle in for the entire night. Because yes, this is a whole night ceremony. With my intention tightly guarded to my tightly wound chest, I entered the facility. The place we were doing it was an old industrial part of town with a strip of shops. The entire place is shut down on the weekends and at night, so there was no chance of us being disturbed. Or maybe more importantly us disturbing anyone. I walked through the front and into the back area before seeing the first few people. I believe there was about four or five people there already. I noticed the man that introduced me to the group. I'll call him Virgil. He was talking to another man, quite a bit shorter than the tall Virgil. I headed over, nervous as hell, and said hello. Virgil, with a beaming smile, greeted me and introduced me to Dante. No, not his real name. And I learned that Dante is our shaman for the night. I'm not going to lie, I was a little taken aback by the sight of this shorter, middle-aged man as the one to be performing this ceremony. 
who I would have pegged as an accountant before the one to take me on a spiritual quest. I politely said hello, and then Virgil showed me an area that I could set up as mine for the night, and I put out my sleeping bag and pillow. Over the next hour or so, I watched as another half a dozen people entered and set up their own spaces until we had a complete circle, filling this small gymnasium area with the dozen or so of us. As the darkness outside settled, so too did our small talk amongst our group. I watched Dante lay out a series of items, a feather, cup, bottle, and various other things. Then the ceremony began. One at a time, we got our cup of the Aya liquid. Its earthy taste lingered as I returned from the inner circle to my place in the outer circle. My mind spiraled into unknowns. This was the moment I had been waiting for. And now here I was, sitting cross-legged with my hands cupped in my lap, and waiting. Again, I had never taken any type of hallucinogen, so I had no idea what I should be feeling, and everything that I felt, I amplified tenfold. Oh, I'm feeling a tingling sensation. That's got to be it. It's got to be working now. And that was two minutes in. And it didn't ease up. My monkey brain prattled on for the next half an hour, easy. But things did start to happen. I could hear groans starting from some of the others. I think the ones that had experienced this before, as they seemed to react quicker to the liquid. Then the purging started. At first one or two people... Then a handful of people were into a full purge fest. But I'm happy to say that I did not purge that night. Many did, but not me. I got close and very nauseated a few times. But with some deep breathing and meditation, I pulled through purge free. Dante, the shaman, and his assistant went to their aid, usually taking the feather and wafting some herbs that they were burning. I did the only thing I could think of. I laid down and tried to go to sleep. I figured, if these people were already purging, then this just isn't going to work for me. Oh, the newbie thoughts I had. Shortly after that, as I laid on my sleeping bag, my world turned upside down, inside out, and outside sideways. By this point, I'm feeling really nauseated, but I'm not purging. It's manageable. The next sequence of events seems to be pretty common with Aya and even most hallucinogens when they kick in. In what feels like a drunken, dreamlike state as my eyes are closed, I'm seeing the most stunning designs and geometric shapes whipping through my mind in the most vibrant and lush colors I have ever seen. Excited and nervous, I open my eyes, of course, but it's completely dark in the room. There's some slight movement of others as they seem to be gripped by their own experiences. I close my eyes again and everything is right back. The shapes are swirling around me and it seems like through me. Like I'm moving through some passage, but this is not physical at all. I have a brief thought of relief as I realize this is really happening. Then my thoughts split apart from my psyche. I stop being able to think of this taking place and simply go with the ride. From these shapes and colors, they speed up and I notice the colors are increasing from reds to greens to blues then purples. As I reach the purples, everything changes. I don't know how to explain it other than I suddenly went through some portal and I appear floating in space. I look around, I can see twinkling stars everywhere all around me. Then I notice that I'm not alone. I look over to find a humanoid figure standing, well floating close by to me. I say humanoid, 
but it looks more like a robot. I can see facial features like eyes and ears and mouth, but it's definitely not human. I get the feeling that it senses my confusion because I'm filled with this thought. Yes, I'm alive, like you. We have souls, we live, but we are not designed the same way as you. Then I can see its mouth moving like it's saying more, but I cannot hear anything, and no other thoughts come to my mind. I do get the impression that this figure is possibly having a conversation with a part of me that I'm not privy to. I wonder if it is something that I will learn later. The next thing that happens is I find myself floating through space with this robot figure. We are zipping past stars and galaxies, slowing down as we reach some far-off solar system. I can vaguely see other planets and a star, or the sun, or some sort of sun. It doesn't look like our sun. Then I see many more of these snake-like creatures, and they are all soaring around this solar system. I'm not sure what they're doing, but I clearly get the impression that this is happening somewhere else in this galaxy or universe. At this point, I have to open my eyes. The visuals and experience are already so intense. The room is nearly completely dark. Some light through a doorway gives a backlight to a few figures moving around. That's when I see Virgil, quietly chanting and walking the inner circle. But this is not the man I met earlier. I don't know if he has put on a costume, but I'm suddenly seeing this massive shape of a winged bird-like man hovering over. I blink my eyes, but it doesn't go away. He moves by me and I am humbled by this overwhelming feeling of protection and care emanating from him. I then notice a really odd sound going on. One of the other members seems to be making some intense tittering sounds. I'm not sure how else to explain it, but it, it sounded like maniacal laughter and growls. If I wasn't in such a euphoric state of peace, I'd be worried someone was possessed. I'm not really sure if the sounds were real or not, but when I glanced where they were coming from, which was near the doorway with the only light, I could see some shadowy figure huddled by the edge of the door. This figure seemed to slide around the doorframe, not walking. If whatever I was seeing was really there, it wasn't any of the people in this room. I don't even know how long I stared at it, but I could clearly tell this shadowy figure was just hovering on the edge of the doorway, very near where these noises were coming from. I didn't feel any fear. I felt completely safe. And in that moment, if anything, I felt sadness. I closed my eyes and immediately that world from before exploded in front of me. Without missing a beat, I'm looking at this expansive other world. For the first time, I feel like, wow, this feels more real than my reality. My guide is nearby and we are moving into a whole other place. This time, we are in what looks like a medical room. Not in a hospital, though. This feels more like that old MASH show about the field hospital during the Korean War. There are humans laying on tables, but not getting any surgery I have ever seen. There are layers of colors around each person. There's a lot of movement and activity all around them and all around the room. It's not chaotic, but more like 
there's a lot to do and everyone here knows exactly what needs to get done and they are working as fast and as hard as they can to do it. Then I notice who is working on these people. They look like large, human-sized praying mantis. I think I would have been afraid at that sight, but I wasn't at all. All I felt was an overwhelmingly, albeit exhausted, need to help. I looked over to my guide to see one of the praying mantis beings standing by him, as if they were having a conversation. This is when I got a burst of ideas into my head, like a data stick getting injected into my brain. I understood that these beings were here to help with fixing our energetic bodies and clearing away the negative vibrations. The colors I'm seeing are their auras around the bodies of the humans. They can work with the aura of a person here so, so that they don't have to take the person physically. They are trying to help us reach our higher consciousness, but have to do a lot of work with a lot of the energetically denser beings, and it is exhausting and thankless work. There are a lot of beings on earth that they have to work on to help. They never do harm. I remember feeling this overwhelming feeling of sadness that they are doing their best, but it still might not be good enough. There just aren't enough of them to help. More is needed to be done. I sensed a noise or something behind me and I turned around to find that I was suddenly in a much different place. My guide was gone. I'm hovering alone in space staring at the largest entity I have ever seen in my life. I feel like it's the size of the sun. It looks like a huge rock in the shape of a human, as if the Easter Island heads had full bodies. And like a perfectly symmetrical grid, there are bright dots running up and down and across the entirety of this figure. Then I notice that the dots of light are entering and leaving these spots in this figure. I get the idea that these lights are us, all of us. And we are simply interconnected pieces to a much bigger consciousness. That no matter who we are or where we are, we are all connected. From what I can remember, that was the end of my first Aya experience. My next session, which happened over a year later, did not have any of that cerebral or cosmic spin that my first one did. All of the events leading up to the session were the same. It was the same place, similar people, same shaman, but my intention going into this one was much different. Now that I had achieved experiencing a world beyond my physical one, I wanted to go inward and know more about me. I was lost. My anxiety was still crippling my ability to progress, and my ego was still telling me I had to do everything on my own, no matter what. So... I entered this session hoping to learn all about what my problem was and how I could fix it. I took the Aya liquid and returned to my spot on the outer circle to let it happen. Again, almost an hour in, I started to feel the same nausea, and to my surprise, I didn't purge again. Many others had begun to purge, though. When it happened, there were no geometric shapes or colors. But when I closed my eyes, I suddenly found myself standing next to a massive stone pillar. I turned my head to find another pillar nearby, but beyond that was a sandy ground like the desert. But there was much more vegetation, lush growth. 
all around like a desert oasis. I turned back towards the pillars as a noise drew my attention. It sounded like hundreds of people cheering. I seemed to float along a stone wall next to the pillars, towards where this noise was coming from. I got around the wall to see that I was at the base of a massive pyramid. I noticed halfway up the pyramid was a flat platform and there was a person sitting alone on a throne. As soon as I noticed that person, I suddenly found myself up on that platform looking around. There were many smaller pillars around this figure, but otherwise they were sitting all alone on this throne. I looked closer at the figure and I realized that it was me. I turned to look out and my view changed again. I'm now looking out through myself as I sit on the throne. I can see that the chanting is actually tens of thousands of people standing around the pyramid. I get this overwhelming feeling of loneliness that even though I have all of these people around me, I don't feel truly connected. I look up into the sky longing for that connection. Just as I stare up into the sky, my view changes again, and now I am in space. I'm soaring through the blackness of outer space, following along on this blue stream. Glancing back, I can tell that I'm traveling away from Earth, and that I'm just following this blue, energetic, cosmic stream. I can't tell how far I've gone or where I am, but I stopped and I'm looking at this cosmic cloud hovering in the emptiness of space. It's purplish and I can see bursts of electrical energy throughout it. There is an immediate connection to this that I can't explain. But as I look closer at it, I suddenly see the image of my wife. I feel a tightening around me as I'm pulled from that scene and I move through space again. The tightening continues. I can't tell what is happening, but I feel like there is an urgency pushing me forward. The darkness is shattered by a blindingly bright white light. And then I'm looking down in the hospital room during the birth of my first son. I open my eyes. I'm back at the ceremony. All of this happened in a matter of a few minutes. And I'm weeping. Not of sadness, but of sheer joy. A heaviness that I never even realized had lifted from me. I felt a level of love that I had never known before. And joy. Pure, blissful joy. I don't know if I'd ever felt that before. The rest of the night I laid quietly, reflecting on my life. There was a long road ahead of me and a lot of work still. But for the first time, I felt like I had the strength to do what I needed to do. To face my struggles. I don't know if I got an answer to my intention of knowing who I am, but I did get exactly what I needed. At first, I thought it was an emotional release, but I think it was more of a reconnection to my true self, an emotional recharge. I still get anxiety, but since this session, it never gets nearly as bad as it used to, and I have a much stronger emotional capacity to manage it. Like a key to show me that I can be free of the chains that are holding me down, but most importantly, 
that I created these chains and I have the power to release them. Thank you for listening to my ayahuasca experiences. That was the end of my second session. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to my ayahuasca experiences. If you would like to share your story or have any questions about our discussions or have any ideas that you would like us to include, email us at supernature at galacticcycle.com. And if you enjoyed this session, subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast platform and stay up to date on all of our latest releases. Help us make these shows as interactive as possible. So please reach out and keep this conversation going. You can connect with us in the links in the bio and become a part of the journey. See you next time for more incredible stories. And in all that you do, may you reconnect with the earth. Thank you for listening and never stop pushing the boundaries of reality.